a bluebird on my shirt. Man, there's a bluebird on my shirt. Can I kill it? Man, there's a bluebird on my shirt. Can I kill it? Man, there's a bluebird on my shirt. Can I kill it? Man, there's a bluebird on my shirt. Can I kill it? On my shirt. On the scene, crispy and clean. It's two niggas with two Glock 17s. And I give a fuck 'cause you might catch a buck. You fucking with a nigga going crazy like Chuck. I'm a G trying to stay sucker free. The nigga, nigga black from the B-O-L-S-C. Test me when I'm on the jacket. One time was rolling deep when it was time for some action. Now I'm acting stupid on the down low. Alright y'all, what is going on? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Um, we have a lot to get into this morning, so I'm just going to go ahead and get onto it uh, with the world on the street. And I mentioned before that we were going to talk about a, well, an extremist or a terrorist organization based here in California that was plotting to... Well, kill cops. Let's get into it. A right-wing terrorist group, that's what I'm going to label them as. I know the media doesn't matter which side that the media lays on. They're not going to say this word. They're either going to say extremist. They're going to say militia or, you know, right-wing extremist and all that type of stuff. That's what they're going to say, but I'm going to call it what it is because this is what it's equivalent to. It's equivalent to Al-Qaeda. It's equivalent to the Taliban. Uh, it's equivalent to any, um, you know, organization and those are all the only ones that came up to my you know came into my you know my memory so forgive me uh if you felt some type of way about those examples but you know the ku klux klan neo-nazis those are all terrorist groups in my opinion as well um any group that anti antagonizes anyone and with violence is almost pretty much a, a terrorist group so um in my opinion that's that's me that's me um like I said, this group uh, is known as, well, at least in this California chapter, is known as the Grizzly, Grizzly Scouts. Uh, they are part of a national movement known as the Boogaloo Boys. Do not ask me where the name came from. I think it's retarded. Uh, that's how I feel. Uh, but that, like I said, their plan was to assassinate California cops. Uh, California, uh, sorry, um, California prosecutors have not only uncovered this, uh, these plots, uh, but also... Uh, this was they also uncovered a deeper plot in order to kind of drag Antifa into this as well. So there's just some type of open warfare be between cops and Antifa. This was the goal. Uh, one of the leaders, Stephen Carrillo, uh, was recently charged with first degree murder uh, of, a, of a security officer at Ron Dem at the Ron Dellums Federal uh, Building in Oakland uh, back in May 29th. He was also charged for another um, murder uh, this time in the case of a sheriff in Santa Cruz County, Damon Gutzweiler. So uh, these groups have already, well, this group has already, you know, that, again, that was their plan. They've already been setting that into motion. These two murders here were supposed to spark that conflict. Again, they were trying to bring, uh, make Antifa look as the fall guys in order to, I guess, to bring law enforcement on, on them and, you know, kind of, you know, allow them to, you know, escape prying eyes, but again, it backfired. Of course, Stephen Carrillo, one of the you know, leaders here, is going to prison. Uh, he is a former Air Force uh, pilot. Uh, the thing, the thing about a lot of these groups that you have to realize is uh, these groups are, well, particularly not so much the. Well, again, all these groups are violent. All these groups. Uh, 
in terms of white ring groups, they have a tendency to be violent, particularly more so if they're any type of white nationalist uh, element within that group. Uh, these groups also tend to be armed, well-armed, and also these are former uh, service members. So whether Army, Marines, cadets, uh, all that type of stuff, Air Force, as we see, Air Force cadet with this guy, Carrillo, maybe even Navy. Uh, all that type of stuff. So uh, again, you're dealing with a different element. This is not just your average. This is not just your average white organization that hates people. This is not like your neo Nazis. Even though there's probably some people in there as well that might have some of these credentials, but it's not you know the main focus. Uh, these people are you know really um, you know they consider themselves a militia, a paramilitary force, and a lot of these groups um, and actually in, in you know, for what it's worth, they're not just white groups like this. I want to actually get deeper at some point in the near future, at least on the podcast, um, into more and more um, just about some of these groups. Because there's more than just white groups that are like this, and of course, in America. And, you know, there's, you know, more than just the Proud Boys and, you know, the Boogaloos that we see here. Uh, and, and like I said, uh, these people have varying degrees of military experience. So, again, these people are itching for a fight. They're preparing for a fight. And, again, that's what they were doing. They were already taking preemptive strikes. They killed a security officer. They killed a police officer. Uh, this is what, you know, they feel that they are trained to do. Um, they were, uh, part of their plot was to kidnap certain police officers, drain them from information, then kind of leave them stranded in the wild. No clothes, no shoes. Just leave them a victim to the elements all type of ridiculous ass shit now again it probably uh, you know had this plot not been un you know uncovered they probably would have been able to do a couple, you know that a couple times to certain officers unfortunately just because of you know again they have those you know based on what I'm researching here these groups have military capabilities uh, they don't have all the you know they don't have tanks but they definitely have a whole lot of guns they have a lot of wherewithal and again they're they're plotting things as we as we speak so again i, I think um you know when i look at what i see in the mainstream you know media and and i'm looking at how they take this laissez-faire you know reaction to racism um it is this guys um if racism didn't exist, you would not see these nationalist groups. Nationalist groups are maybe not the word um, racism. Maybe we can get away from that. But prejudice, bigotry, uh, there's some type of racial hatred and, and, and a, a need for these people to, have to create some racial division. Because, again, these groups wouldn't exist. And, again, we're going to get deeper because there's not just white groups. There's black groups as well. Uh, maybe even a Latino group in this country that's, you know, pushing that. We'll have to do some more research. But again, I know there's black and there's white groups that are pushing separatist movements. They're armed. Uh, they would be considered by many outlets to be dangerous. And that's just how they're gearing themselves. They're gearing themselves for this racial conflict. Um, unfortunately, uh, they have been duped by one side or another. I'm sorry. Uh, I understand that um, we are, are being taught uh, these certain things or these certain prejudices. Uh, but in reality, uh, there's just certain people that are good, certain people that are bad. We're going to talk a little bit about, um, we get deeper into the word on the street, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, some stuff on our side that we, you know, 
Hey, uh, but anyways, long story short, there is there are militias in this country. There is militia in California, and uh, recently they've been plotting to kill police. That is the skinny of this story here, and they are armed and dangerous. Um, some of the identifiers of this group is uh, they like to wear Hawaiian shirts for some reason, big old Hawaiian shirts uh, to stand out. Um, you know, and I'm not saying you know be a punk around these people. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, shuck and jive, fuck all that. You know, this is the 21st century, but just understand where you're where you're at. Understand your surroundings. Uh, don't take no shit, but also understand what's up. And, you know, a word to all my um, at least nine um, non white ring spectrum or especially uh, ones that are not on this violent end with these guys. Um, you know, like I said, be aware and uh, don't be afraid to link up and uh, organize with your people. I'm not saying they have to be like this. You don't have to be an anti uh, right wing violent. No, you could just be a group that shares information, uh, protects each other in different ways. Uh, maybe you put each uh, put money together to help each other legally um, in those in those ways. So, you know, there's many different ways in which we can we can uh, help each other out without necessarily having to go down this route either i'm I'm just saying it's about time we cooperate more so as a community uh particularly because we are seeing where on both sides there's um there's extremes and there is the there is a plot to divide us at the same time as trying to bring us together and dumb us down it's, it's a really weird situation that i feel uh going on in this society right now all right we're moving away from that i know this is not a great segue but I'm going to just get into it because I want to give you guys the darker side of YouTube. Again, every now and again, I come across something that uh, blows my mind. Um, months ago, maybe even a year ago now, uh, we talked about the Tupac Exposed channel. Uh, this That channel went in and talked all this stuff about Tupac, exposed some different things that I think some of us uh, on, you know, that really are into it might have known or might have had already kind of accepted about the music industry. I'm not 100%. I wasn't always 100% sure if it was always, you know, honest about Tupac's situation in general. But, you know, again, that just goes to show you YouTube is a crazy-ass place. Now, recently, I came across something that was kind of along the same. Well, it talked about the inner workings a little bit more. And uh, how people, you know, kind of, you know, abuse that power. Now, this story is about Dave Chappelle. Now, this is very interesting, um, what I'm about to share to you guys. Um, now, there was a archive site for this. Um, I'm not, I don't know uh, exactly if this, you can find the archive site at this point. The person that shared this video, uh, when he shared this information, um, they were all murky about this and all you know about you know the the actual link and it, it was an archive site you could find this anyways he left the link there on his on his channel and i'll just tell you look up Chappelle theory and you'll find exactly what the first first video when you type it up it's gonna be the first thing you see first very first video but anyways let's get into this right so we all know that day Chappelle disappeared for a long time right Went to Africa. We all thought he was on crack. Or at least we joked about him being on crack, right? I don't think we all really thought that. But we we knew that he had some type of issues, right? So he comes back. Does a few things. I, I think... Um, now, I wonder... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, y'all. But did, his, did the Black Party movie come back 
a little bit after he came back or before he went away. I can't necessarily remember, but there was a, a flick he had called the, the the block party. He had this all, you know, this big ass event. He came out and he wanted to be with the peoples, you know, because I guess he had been going through so much. But he had that kind of disappear for a little while. Long story short, he comes back in the limelight and. You know, recently we know about him in the last election, at least the 2016 election, you know, kind of being pro-Trump. And he kind of took a step back from that because he kind of got, you know, lambasted by black folk, which I understand. Uh, although we're seeing now just a few months, well, at least a couple months into this new uh, presidency that he ain't no much better for us anyway. Um, anyways, you know, I when I heard some of, what happened to this in this account now mind you uh you know this source at least from my youtube source now again you can take it as how you want to you know i'm just reporting on it because it was interesting it was weird as hell it kind of makes certain sense right if you if you kind of hear the story out anyways dave Chappelle's at the height you know of who he is back in 2003 2004 in that era right dave Chappelle show well Chappelle show is going into season three uh, well, actually, this is before season three. He's just now getting the show, and you know, and everybody's proud of him. Now, mind you, let's talk about his support system. Let's talk about a little bit about the people who helped set him up, right? Apparently, um, you know, he, he didn't have the. Mo I guess everybody has it. It's all about who you know, right? In this industry, or at least in Hollywood and in that in that realm. So he happened to know a few different good people and had those connections through those uh, you know through those associations so he had a very good friendship with Al Sharpton who apparently was a fan of his gave him some money when he was you know first starting uh, same thing with Bill Cosby gave him all type of guidance Louis Farrakhan uh, supposedly very close with his you know grandfather you know and he helped him give him some type of guidance from the Islamic standpoint and he had a couple different people like Oprah and Whoopi Goldberg, kind of all kind of helping him out, like a, a, a group of uh, black mentors, just kind of, you know, pushing him along and, and helping him along his way, right? So the story goes, as soon as Chappelle's show drops, right, and they start watching those first few skits, like, you know, Clayton Bixby. I think this was a real, this was one of the ones that got people going, like, the meet, I mean, the first episode had, you know, Bill Cosby up in a, up in his you know feelings for some reason, right? Of course, we know about the Clinton Clayton Bisbee sketch, blind, black you know blacks you know white supremacist. You get what I'm saying? He's a, he's a blind black man who's a white supremacist. He doesn't know that he's white. He doesn't know that he's black. Nobody else know that he's black. He's been raised to believe that he's white. Okay. Long story short, he's racist against blacks, right? And he's saying nigga, all this type of stuff. He goes to the clan meeting, you know, he reveals himself. Everybody ha has a, you know, a conniption, right? Well, apparently, Bill Cosby hated this sketch. He thought it was demeaning. He thought it was all this and that and the other. While, you know, he feels that way, he, he you know, he does what he does in real life. Okay. All right. Hypocrite shit, right? They also don't like the. They also didn't like the Tyrone Bigum sketch. You know, you know it was a, a poor, you know, depiction of black people. Ah, hmm. All this, that, and the other. You know, and they just had a really bad problem. You know, again, and I, and I, you know, again, I think they took a bigger 
you know, issue when they start to find out he's getting all these ratings coming. Everybody's watching it, right? So they complain about this sketch. They complain about sketches in season two, the racial draft, whatever it was, all that, right? So Dave Chappelle's like, look, I'm doing what I got to do. This is who I am. And he doesn't back down. He keeps making these sketches and he releases, eventually he will release, you know, season three. And this is when the story, according to, you know, the the Hollywood, the ex-Hollywood insider, because this is this is how these, these, these stories come about. It's always somebody ex-Hollywood. I used to know this. He's blackballed probably. He can't do nothing no more. So now he's telling everything, right? Anyway, as soon as season three dropped, he starts getting threats from Farrakhan. He starts getting the goons sent to his house via Bill Cosby. Even Oprah's joining in on the fun. Just fucking with this man. Sending goons to his house. Now, this is the core to the story. Now, y'all can believe this or you can't. You know, hey. <laughs> but he for sure went ahead and fucked with Trump in 2016. That's weird to me. When we knew, I mean, come on. I mean, I'm not saying that his his he he leaned in any direction with his commentary or his comedy but i would never say he was he would be a republican i i just i never saw that in that type of com in that type of comedy now i know and now i will say this in more so of his approach and the more so of what he talks about and how he jokes i would say bill cosby will be more of a, a republican comedian just to keep it real with you that's my opinion about him but there's so many things about Bill Cosby that come on now, like, and and it's just like when I was hearing about the story, I'm like in my mind, I'm like, I hope it's not real, because it's like, damn, like, y'all went through all this shit. It's particularly, you know, with two people that I got a real problem with, Bill Cosby, and Oprah. Now, of course, Robert Johnson, the owner of BET, somehow got in on this as well because they figured, oh, Chappelle. No, it, it, you know what it was. I I know a part of it. It was because he was a big ass dealing TV, and they wasn't seeing numbers like that. So, if, if they could ha harp on that and say, "Oh, well, he's demeaning black people," then that's what they're gonna say. But I, I think he was really outshining them, and they really couldn't handle it, especially if this is this is, could be you know substantiated at some point in time, and to some degree. I kind of feel that that could be the case. I, I but again, like I said, I have a real issue with Bill Cosby, you know, having you know taking you know taking the time to to ruin somebody when you know and, and he has a nerve to say well your brand of con a comedy you know um makes us look bad or something like that well how you conduct yourself in real life outside of your tv show outside of your stand-up made us look bad you know mr mr cos like how, how how dare you come off like that you know and you don't want drugging girls for years and years and years now again we could we could say that that they was okay with it. We, that could be our argument, but at the same time, that ain't you know that that's what you will call deviant behavior. Stop it. Even if you want to say it's okay or not, that's still deviant behavior. Even if we want to say Ti and them, Ti and Tiny wasn't kidnapping nobody. They wasn't really doing that. They still got deviant behavior and they got caught up in it. That's why you get caught up in it. Sorry. Okay, there's not, I'm not saying that there's anything really morally wrong with it, but it's obviously deviant. And you obviously shouldn't be coming after somebody because of the way that they do they, they style of comedy because it's different than yours. Particularly, again, particularly when you live recklessly or you live like you did. And another person I had an issue with was Oprah, especially when you find out that she was buddy-buddy for years. 
even even during the allegations with your boy Weinstein. So I, again, I, I I hope to God that they did not get up, they really get together on some boule shit and try to do that when they when they are really you know, especially those two people, they are not you know, in my opinion, the authority on what's black and what can be black. I'm sorry. Y'all can sit there and, and and Robert Johnson, man, he's he a sellout. He had PET, he had the he had the power to, to to be able to cultivate to cultivate black minds and black families and put on whatever content he wanted for years. No, what he did was he sold his IP. And we'll say it's about business, we'll say it's pro progress, but you don't own it. And now you mad at Chappelle because what? He doing the same thing you doing? But he, but his show is getting watched more than your shows on your channel. Get the hell out of here! I'm just saying. I hope that stuff ain't that type that type of stuff ain't real. But I wanted to share it because I feel like it's very weird how his his mentality kind of changed towards certain things, and he did come out of nowhere as a Trump motherfucker. So again, I gotta call it like I see it. There might be some truth to some of this, you know. He definitely had a sketch, um, the sketch with with Oprah uh, about her having the baby. Apparently, that flipped, you know, that you know made her flip her lid. Um, that was him kind of, you know, going all out. And again, uh, there's an account of him of of um, you know of him, you know, getting out of his shower and seeing uh, some type of, some hitters. Basically, I'm just gonna say, you know, lack of a better word, just right outside the shower, saying, "We want to get you. We been got you. We get your family. All type of shit too." And it's like over, over comedy, over what he's doing with his art form. I hope we are not that petty black folk. I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, and I'm praying, and you know, I, 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 I you know, I think about that type of stuff, and I, and it makes me think. Is all that stuff that we do, is it is it just for attention? Is it just for the fame? You know, I mean, Oprah really targeted this man, but didn't target, target you know, what's his name, Weinstein at all. She had not, she did not go on no type of campaign to get Harvey Weinstein out of there. But according to, you know, these documents and according to these, you know, this revelation, she went all out. For days, she went all. She took. She, you know. Did, I wonder if she sent goons. Did you send goons on behalf of women to Weinstein House, Oprah? I just, you know, you didn't bash. You didn't bash. You know, Weinstein like you did Michael Jackson, like Kobe Bryant. Like you allowed Gail to do Kobe Bryant. I just, I just want to know. I hope you know we can do better than that, black folk. I, I, I hope this this plot ain't real. I do think that there's something to it though, cause he he did just kind of just up and leave. I I just kind of get I give you guys things to make you think about in a different capacity. That's all. I just think about it. I don't know y'all. I don't know what to tell you. Finally, one more thing I wanted to get into, um, get some thoughts off my chest. Uh, Juneteenth has finally become a federal holiday. Now, what do I want to get off my chest? What is Juneteenth? Well, for those of you who might not know, uh, June June ninth, uh, June nineteenth, aka Juneteenth, uh, you know, is a well has been acknowledged since eighteen sixty six, uh, primarily amongst the black or slash African American community because there's people that you know prefer to prefer to you know label themselves as that. Um, 
But anyways, it commemorates the day that news of the Emancipation Proclamation, just the news of the Emancipation Proclamation reached Galveston, Texas, one of the last holdouts of slavery. Now, let me repeat that again. Juneteenth, Juneteenth, uh, my, my, uh, my allergies is, is, is got me oh, in another place right now, but excuse me, Juneteenth is just a commemoration of the day in which the news was received of the Emancipation Proclamation, okay? The Emancipation Proclamation was already signed January 1st of that year. That's why sometimes I might say on New Year's Day, Happy Emancipation Day, because that's truly the day, okay? Now, I guess because it's summertime, it's warm, and again, that's where the news traveled to this part of the, you know, not this part, because I'm in California, but that part of the country, Texas. Again, the South was very reluctant about freeing their slaves, uh, so I can imagine that the South, the South tried to withhold this information for as long as they could. But the celebration or the commemoration uh, in itself lies within that. Now, uh, for what it's worth, yes, we are free. Well, that's a that's a very loaded thing to say. Almost, I mean, I I, I mean, well, we we are not required to get up in the crack of dawn and just be worked to death for free. But if you look at you know the wealth gaps in this country, the access to education, um, a lot of assorted different, you know, look at the prison systems. You can't really tell me that things have changed a whole lot. Um, I mean, we're just not being bought and sold. Um, we can go to school to a certain extent, but you know, they make it very difficult to receive a post-secondary education. I, I, again, I'm just going in on my on my immediate thoughts on the day itself. I mean, it, it's a it's a day, it's a day. Okay, um, I've I've been a part of these events, especially as a child, and I get it. I understand the purpose of it, um, but again, we have to understand um, we are still treated as second class citizens in this country. Um, period uh you know so as some examples of what went down over this uh period uh i believe it was yes yeah, saturday uh we there was an unveiling of a george floyd statue in man uh, sorry in brooklyn it will eventually be moved to manhattan um it will be uh moved to union square to be exact uh we also had a march in racing wisconsin uh, wisconsin in honor of ap dutton uh an abolitionist who allowed runaway slaves to seek refuge in his warehouse along the underground railroad um, there are also many uh, events at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. Uh, this church is significant because that's where MLK, I believe, his father as well. Uh, they conducted their sermons. Uh, there was also uh, a march there as well. They, you know, they talked about, um, you know, all the, the current themes of the day. You know, racial and you know, just and, you know, racial injustices, police brutality, etc., etc. Now, before this legislation was even, you know, conceived. We were already. This is my thing about it. Another thing that I have with it, as you as I, as you heard me state before, I've been a part of the celebration. I've seen this happen. I've been to Juneteenth celebrations, and the reason being is 
before this, the legis before the legislation, this was already a state or a ceremonial holiday in 48 states. So again, he celebrated it in California. Um, he might not celebrate it every in every different place across the U.S., but particularly where there's black people, you're black people, you're celebrating. So again, this 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 um, this government mandate doesn't make me feel better. Doesn't make me feel uh, included. Sorry. Um, what would have made me feel better is if you would have would have you know had a uh, anti you know crime or, or a you know stop you know a bill that stopped crime uh, amongst the police and stopped the police from just shooting random uh, civilians. That would have helped me. Uh, that would have been beneficiary. Um, yeah. I mean, again, we've been, we as black folks have been observing this date since 1866. Who gives a fuck what the government wants to say? You know, it's funny because another issue, another issue I'm going to bring up as well is, is we'll sit there, we're all, we're happy about this now. Happy Juneteenth this, happy Juneteenth that. But when it's Black History Month, everybody wanted to be cynical. So what the fuck is, what the fuck is it? You wanted to sit there and say, oh, well, Black History Month was given to us by the white man. Black History Month was given to us by the white man. There's, but this but this apparently wasn't a holiday until a white president said so. Now y'all want to act like this was cool? Man, um, I don't know. Like I said, this is a day. We were already free. The South just wanted to be assholes and not tell nobody. That's whoopty fucking do. What are we gonna do now that we are quote unquote free? I, I you know, uh, I, I understand uh, it's a chance to discuss Black history. You get to learn a little bit. Black history is three sixty five. I thought we was we was all into that. You know, now we want to now we want to you know uh, spread out and we want to pick and choose dates. Like we want to we want to we want to we want to bash uh, February and say we got the shortest month of the year to celebrate Black History. But then we want to turn around and celebrate one whole day, like it's the like we like we turned the corner with Juneteenth. And mind you, somebody got shot in Oakland. No, actually, most people got shot. What seven people got shot, injured, two people, maybe two people died. Come on. I'm just saying, do we really matter to ourselves? Do we really matter? Do we really, do we really matter to each other? Fuck, do black, do, fuck the, the, fuck the question, do black lives matter? Just simply, do black lives matter? Do black lives matter to each other? Add that part to it first, and then we can talk about how other world, how the rest of the world sees us. Because I, I, again, we want to pick and choose our holidays. We want to bash this, bash that. Then when then when Biden say uh, this is a holiday, we want to jump on the, the bandwagon. Y'all just want to be coddled to. I don't want to be coddled to by no white folk, by nobody, not even by Kamala. I don't want to be coddled to. Give us the damn, change the damn laws for real, for real. Don't give us no goddamn holiday that we already been celebrating. What's wrong with y'all? You need higher standards. I know I do. Anyways, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs. All right, y'all.
All right, y'all, what is going on? Uh, we are going to break down the NBA. Before we get into some of the playoff action, uh, let's break down some more awards. I want to break down the all-NBA teams, uh, the all-defensive uh, teams, of course, excuse me, and, of course, the Rookie of the Year and the Rookie teams. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into it uh, with the all-NBA teams. First team, we have Giannis. Uh, this year was a big year from him, of course. We know he just recently made it to uh, the conference finals uh, to face the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, but it, during the regular season, he averaged 28 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, also five, uh, almost six to six, actually, on 56% shooting. Up next, we had Stephen Curry, 32 points per game from him. Uh, we had five rebounds a game from him, almost six assists from him as well, on 48% shooting from the field, but 42% shooting from three. Up next, we have Big Joker. Uh, we already know about my man, Nikola Jokic, 26, also uh, MVP. So, yeah, 26 points per game, 10 rebounds, eight assists a game, uh, also shooting at 56% and also at 38% from the th uh, from three. He also had a PER of 31.3. Uh, up behind him, we had Kawhi, 24, uh, 24.8 points per game, six and a half rebounds per game, also five assists. Uh, he was averaging 51% uh, shooting and also 39% shooting from three. Moving to the second team where we have Joel Embiid, 28 points from him, uh, almost, well, 28 and a half, you know, I don't know how they do all that, if it matters, the point six, 10.6 rebounds, again, does that little fraction matter, I don't know, 51% shooting from the field, uh, he has a PER of 30, well, he had a PER in the regular season of 30, behind him, you had LeBron, then Dame, uh, we also had Chris Paul, and then Julius Randle, uh, 24 points per game from him, I believe he was also the most approved player of the year as well, uh, 10, over 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 45% shooting from 3, 41% shooting from 3, of course, he did fall off a little bit in the playoffs, that's just, uh, the way that it goes sometimes. Uh, but moving on to the third team, where we have Bradley Bill, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, playoff P. We got Rudy Gobert. Wow. Yeah, they. We'll talk about him in a second. And we also had Kyrie. Look at, uh, let's look at the all-defensive teams. We have Giannis, Rudy, Draymond Green, uh, Drew Holiday, and Ben Simmons. Wow, yeah. Ben Simmons. That rounds out the first team. And then on the second team, we got Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler again. Uh, we have Joel Embiid, the big man, Kawhi. I don't know how he missed out on the first team. Wow. And then we have Matisse Thibault of the 76ers, just in case you haven't heard of him. Uh, we have, uh, oh, yeah, the rookie of the year, um, LaMelo. Um, I don't know if this surprises anybody. Um, he got a lot of, of the you know, the pub this year. Uh, LaMelo, of course, like I said, Rookie of the Year, beat out uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, Timberwolves guard uh, Anthony Edwards. Uh, his stats this year, that being balls, ball stats this year, 15 points per game, over 15 points per game, almost 16, uh, almost six rebounds per game, and six assists. Uh, Edwards averaged 19 points per game on 41% shooting from three, or I think 41% uh, shooting in general. So again, uh, could have went up in the air. Um, I, I actually saw Anthony Edwards a lot. He played a, a really a ton of good basketball offensively. I think for LaMelo, um, what got him through was the fact that his team did finish 33 and 39, uh, and they did at least make it to the play in tournament where they would eventually lose, but at least they got some sniff at the postseason as opposed to Anthony, uh, who's out there in Minnesota and nobody's really watching them. I think a lot more people saw LaMelo play. I think that's unfortunate, 
But hey, he had a lot more going for him. Of course, he's on the team with Michael Jordan, uh, Charlotte. I think people are, are watching Charlotte just a little bit more than they would watch Minnesota, you know, even though they're both not good. And like I said, um, you know, Charlotte had those extra games where they got to be, you know, in the play-in tournament. So you got a little bit of extra attention there, too. Uh, so let's look at the rookie teams. Uh, first team, we have LaMelo. Uh, of course, we knew this. Uh, right behind them, we have Sadiq Bey from the Pistons. Averaging over 12 points a game. Also, he has four assists. He's shooting at about 40. He shot at 40% uh, during the regular season and at 38% from three. Behind him, of course, Anthony Edwards. Of course, the you know, runner-up for the rookie of the year. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton for the Kings. 13 points from him. Three rebounds a game and also f over five assists on 47% shooting. Also, 40% shooting from three uh, as well. Uh, we also have Jay Sean Tate of the Rockets. Uh, also, let's go to the second team real quick. Well, we have Desmond Bain of the Grizzlies. Uh, we have Isaac Okoro of the Cavs, Emmanuel Quickly of the Knicks, and Isaiah Stewart. Sorry, yes, Isaiah Stewart, Isaiah Stewart of the Pistons, and Patrick Williams Ford from the Bulls, averaging over nine points a game on four over four assists. Now, the good thing about these guys here is I feel like in a lot of these cases, I feel like all these players have because of their situation on their team. Look at Lamelo; he's already a starter. Uh, if Anthony Edwards, I can't, I, I don't remember if he's in the rotation or, uh, well, at least in the starting rotation as yet, but he should be at some point. Um, he definitely was getting significant minutes if he was scoring 19 points last season. So I think that's going to improve. I mean, there's nobody else there in Minnesota that could probably challenge him, in my opinion. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton might be a little bit uh, different for him. Uh, depends on where they put him at. I think. I know they he's slated as a guard, but I'm probably sure that because they have, especially because they already have two really good guards with De'Aaron Fox and Heald, I know he gets time in between them. They might even put him at forward at some point uh, as a small forward. Uh, so 13 points from him. I definitely think he improves on that as as things go along. He definitely had a solid shooting percentage. Uh, we had also at Isaac Okoro, Emmanuel Quickly. Um, Patrick Williams, who I heard a f uh, heard his name, you know, being talked about a few times over the course of the season. He's had a, a few, well, he had a few great games under his uh, belt. I think in the situation in, in Chicago, uh, it's not crowded. I don't think at the big man spot at least, and I think he's done enough to kind of solidify himself there. So I mean, we're dealing with people who are gonna, you know exceed expectations i think next year or at least meet them i think everybody here should be able to do that all right now let's move on to the playoffs i know that's what you really want to hear me talk about so i'm gonna go there and do it all right we went past the nuggets sun series of course you know this is my round two recap um not much to say in that series the suns get it done four straight times uh joker's brothers wanted to fight you know a Nuggets fan got their ass whooped during the series. That's just all t different types of losses. Um, the problem uh, with the Suns, though, was that Chris Paul was missing for game one, which I'll give you guys a recap of that in just a second. Um, now, he had to go. He Well, he's in COVID protocol as we speak. Uh, I don't know how long he'll be in there, uh, but according to different sources, according, well, according to different sources, including Matt Barnes, he's apparently uh, been vaccinated, so I don't know. Uh, but he, uh, during the playoffs, he really set his game up. He had been averaging 25 points per game on 61% shooting and 58% 58 shooting from three and had a 41 to 5 assist to turnover ratio. So the team really needs him. Uh, they, you know, I know 
they missed well I mean I know they missed him yesterday but they actually still got the job done uh, this game one actually slept uh, crept up on me I did not realize that they would be playing yesterday the Suns and the Clippers I thought they'd be playing tonight for some reason uh, but anyways in that game one Western Conference Finals Suns get it done 120 to 114 for the Clippers they were led by Reggie, Reggie Jackson at 24 points uh, four assists and six rebounds and also PG uh, he would have 34 points five assists and four rebounds uh, behind that you would have the Marcus Cousins just 11 points from him and four rebounds so they struggled to find somebody outside of Jackson and PG um, which might be an issue um, I mean if let me get back. Let me get. Let me. Let me say. Let me get through the, the recap of the game, and I'll say my little point. Uh, D. Booker, course, good game from him. Smart guy. Forty points, eleven assists, thirteen rebounds. DeAndre eight and twenty points from him. He also had two assists and nine rebounds. And Mikael Bridge for that fourteen points and two assists. Of course, the Suns lead that series one. Oh, my takeaways: Suns shoot fifty-five percent from the field and score fifty-eight percent. Sorry, fifty-eight points in the paint. They also will shoot forty forty percent from three. So pretty balanced in terms of offense and attack. Uh, you had six players scoring in double digits. You cannot compete with that, uh, especially when you only have three for you know the Clippers. Uh, now, PG shows up again. Terrence Mann uh, seems to regress to the mean. Like I said, uh, nobody really stepped up uh, for, for these guys. And uh, it was a little bit unfortunate. Uh, but again, the Suns get it done without uh, Chris Paul. A little bit surprising. A little bit surprising. But um, had, again, if, you know, your boy Kawhi was in the series, I would have said, like, yeah, they took that loss. But I I would not be excited if I'm the I still wouldn't be excited. If I was the Suns, that um, that's my opinion, you know. But again, you know, it's the way that it is. Uh, let's move on. Um, we're going to talk about Game Seven between the Bucks and the Nets. Uh, the Nets, sorry, the Bucks get the Nets, the best of the Nets in this one, one fifteen to one eleven. Uh, in this one, the Bucks were led by Giannis Antetokounmpo, forty points from him, five assists, and also thirteen rebounds. Chris Middleton would have twenty-three points, eight rebounds. Sorry, eight assists and seven rebounds. Brooke Lopez would have nineteen points, eight. Sorry, 19 points and 8 rebounds. Uh, for the Nets, they were led by KD. 48 points from him. Another massive for showing from him. Just couldn't get it done. Uh, 6 assists, 8 rebounds. James Harden had 22 points. Not so great efficiency. 9 assists, 9 rebounds, though. Uh, Blake Griffin would have 17 points, 3 assists, and also 11 rebounds. Uh, a couple takeaways from the game. Uh, KD's 48 points was the most ever in a game 7. Uh, he would score 129 of Brooklyn's 314 points in this series. That accounted for 41% of Brooklyn's points. God damn, he needed some help. But again... Yeah, who knows what happens in another year? He also would average ten over ten rebounds and five assists, along with eleven steals and eight blocks. So he got it done defensively as well. Um, it just, unfortunately, you know, it just doesn't always work out. And um, maybe, uh, maybe just maybe in the future, um, you know, they'll get it done. <laughs> Um, let's move on to the Hawks and Sixers. Uh, they had their game seven uh, last night as well, and the the Hawks get it done surprisingly to me, uh, one hundred three to ninety six. Uh, I know Quavo is happy uh, for the Hawks. Kevin Herter uh, had twenty seven points, three assists, and also seven rebounds. Trey Young will get you twenty one points, also ten assists and, t and three rebounds, and Danilo Gallinari a factor as well. Seventeen points, two assists, and five rebounds from him. For the Sixers, Joel Embiid had thirty one points, 
three assists and 11 rebounds. Uh, Tobias Harris, 24 points from him, it's 14 rebounds. And Seth Curry would have 16 points, two assists, and two rebounds. He's not the big brother because the big brother would have had like 26 points. Just saying. All right, that's just how I go. Um, but anyways, uh, the big takeaway from the game, I think the big takeaway from this series is Ben Simmons is a straight-up bum. Um, defensive player of the year, uh, well, sorry, defensive player of the year candidate. Of course, he's on the all-defensive team, the first team. Offensively, he's a bum. Uh, the man don't do shit offensively, uh, and it's it's a damn shame. Um but he can't do shit. He's a he's a straight up liability. Um, I know the game before this game six he would go two of six. He couldn't make his free throws in this game. He didn't even want to shoot. I think he only put up five points in this game. Wow. Um, I don't know what you say to that. I mean, is that does that does that? I mean, is that an expose or what? Like that, he got exposed in this playoff series. Uh, it's a, it's a real shame um, because there was so much hype around him. I never really bought into it because again, he does not he, like he's I, I like he's like Anthony Kumpo but smaller and he plays defense but he's smaller and his offense like his offense in general just does not on, on par because again at least Anthony Kumpo can dominate in the paint he might not have a jump shot really or a three point shot at all but he'll at least turn it on and go after you in the paint he'll, he'll turn it on and go I'll just attack it I'll do whatever I can do to help my team Ben Simmons can't do offensively he can't do shit offensively to help his team and that's a problem um, five points it's not going to cut it Six points in a in a series like this is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut. It. You're not going to get monumental games from Seth Curry, Steph Curry, sorry Seth Curry every night. You're not going to you're not going to get monumental games from Tobias Harris every night. Um, you know Tobias Harris is going to give you good games. You're only going to get the real monumental games from Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. That's what we thought. That's what you had drafted him for. So Sixers got a lot of questions. Since we've got a lot of questions to ask, uh, answer. Same thing with the Jazz, too, because, again, we thought the Jazz seemed to have all the answers. But defensively, particularly in Game 6, they let it all fall apart. Uh, Rudy Gobert, I know they're going to blame a lot of this on Rudy Gobert. Uh, but you had three different players going after him, though. So it's like you had three, diff you had three different offensively sound players going at him. Again, he's not going to look great. You have that's multiple people attacking the same guy. I mean, again, you're not going to look good. That's three different styles coming after you at one time. Uh, no help defense. You know, so nobody else outside of him can really rebound, can block, can defend like that. And of course, he can't do shit on the perimeter. So you're asked out. I think the only other perimeter defender you got is maybe uh, that's that's decent would be Donovan Mitchell and that's about it so um, you know Jazz of course again they started off hot 2-0 uh, but slowly but surely just you know the Clippers started to break them down they just found those matchups and of course Kawhi uh, just being the X factor and the fact that he is just just making those you know those impact plays um, I can't take away anything from Donovan Mitchell he showed up every night and he's put up points every night um, I man I don't really want to bash his supporting cast either. I, I don't know what to tell you uh, outside of maybe 
maybe you get another defender. Maybe you get another, uh, 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 you know, perimeter defender. Maybe you let go of Joe Ingles or, or Jordan Clarkson, probably Ingles. And you get like another, you know, wing defender or something like that. Somebody who can really do that. Um, you know, but I think you just are in a conference where it's just that good. So, I mean, there's a lot that you can try to do, but good luck. I mean, you got to think about it next year. You got a, a healthy Golden State with Andrew Wiggins, with whatever draft picks that they can get, which are going to be high. Uh, you got, you know, Dallas and, you know, whatever they're going to bring to the table. Uh, you have, um, you know, an assortment of teams out West. Uh, and then even, you know, so it's 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 difficult to say whether or not it's just how it, it's just the Clippers just really being that good or, it's, you know, hey, yeah, there's, you know, some real holes here for the Jazz. I think there's a little bit of both, um, you know, and, and, you know, next next year we got next year to figure out all this. But anyways, guys, I got to get ready for work. Uh, I will have to come back. I have some more NFL news I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, we will get through that. I wanted to talk some more about the NBA as well. I wanted to talk about the two young stars, uh, Luca and Zion. They are both facing some issues with their team right now. We don't know what the future is for them. They they act like they don't want to play right now. They they got they going through their young growing spurts. That's all. They going through the young man game. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. Um, of course, we'll get deeper into the playoffs. I also want to get into the MLB as well. So uh, some, a few things that I missed, well, I just didn't have the time for to get into today, uh, but I will get into them very shortly. If you're looking to get in touch with me, I will be leaving my links uh, available for you guys uh, in the description for the episode. And uh, peace out, one love. And even If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you, and I'll highlight you guys later.